0: Good evening, Patriots, and it's Thursday, September 22nd in the year 2022. East Coast, you're now on Friday. We'll catch up with you tomorrow or in a little bit, however that is. Patriots, before we begin, in a time like this, make sure you're keeping your skills up, your training up, especially with your self defense and your home firearms. You need to do it safely, and there's a great way to do it and save a lot of money on ammo. It's called iTarget. If there was ever a story that best encapsulated how bad crime has become, it's the one about Starbucks providing baristas with active shooter training because our cities aren't safe anymore. And while the Supreme Court has made it easier for you to conceal carry for protection, it's your responsibility to be properly trained. That's why I endorse iTarget Pro. This system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range and you will save a ton on practice ammo. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm and start your training experience. Improve muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control and much more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers including .223 so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm save 10 percent plus free shipping with the offer code bards b-a-r-d-s when you go to itargetpro.com right now this is the smartest investment in your ability to safely and effectively handle your firearm plus it will pay for itself in one day that's the letter i targetpro.com itargetpro.com offer code is bards b-a-r-d-s this is something you want to have oh yeah you do itargetpro.com Promo code is BARDS, which should not come as a shock. Hopefully by this time, when you hear promo code, you should immediately think BARDS. Matter of fact, one of these days, you're just going to be able to cruise around and like type in BARDS everywhere, and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we accept that. That's good. We accept BARDS. It's universal. It's like it's like the new MasterCard, which is sh- as it should be, right? So, Patriots, let me play this little piece here for you. I, I think it um, kind of sums up a lot of things as we start tonight. After the fall of communism, everybody
1: in the world agreed that socialism was a failure. Everybody in the world, more or less, agreed that capitalism
0: was a success. And every capitalist country in the world apparently deduced from that that what the West needed was more socialism. (laughs) Pretty much. And that's pretty much where we are. We've been pretty decisively sold out. So what I want to look at tonight is the 16th amendment and it's the principle of paying taxes. And I want to start posing some real hard questions for people to reflect on. You know, when you look at the dedication of people paying their taxes, they're more dedicated to paying their taxes than they are going to church. They're more dedicated to paying their taxes than they are to praying to Jesus. They're more pay- more dedicated to praying paying their taxes than they are reading the Bible they're definitely more dedicated to paying the taxes than reading the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence, in which, if you, especially if you read the Constitution, you're going to discover that taxes were never part of the plan. This is a real issue in our country, and I and it really perplexes me to a great deal of the dedication to foolishness that we have. And it's a world that continues to not put their eyes on God. Now, I've already read the quotes And I'm sure you know, in scripture, people point out like, "Well, God said, God said we need to pay our taxes and support our, these regimes. Those are regimes that are walking with God, not the ones that are gone rogue. And mainly the problem we have here in faith is that people don't really want to take action. They want to pray their way out of everything. And that's really not real. In fact, I don't really know anywhere in the Bible where that is the way out of anything because most of the story of the Bible is works in faith and walking that faith out and doing the things that are tough and hard and standing up to evil and persevering through God in one way or another. So we really need to start reflecting as a nation of what what we really want to achieve. Because if we're not really wanting much change, then we're doing a pretty good job. There's a few more people going to church We've got some more people starting to find Christ. But out out of that, we're still buying the same garbage. We're still racing down to get a new iPhone. We're still paying our taxes. And I just find that very ironic, especially in the time when this entire evil has resurrected its nasty head to be going against us, and we're funding it. And it's not just us, the Canadians, the Brits, the French. The Australians, the Dutch. I mean, I can go on the list. We've all become obedient to a system while we sit and say that we're unhappy with it. So we can't serve two masters. That's biblical. What are we going to do? And this is really where the rubber hits the road because we're going to have to start making some hard decisions as people. Are we following the path of Christ? Or are we... Following that story of Christ, meaning that we're reading it and thinking about it, but we're really not. We're just kind of living out the other way. Now, here's something to think about, because salvation is through Jesus, and we've had a lot of discussion this week about interpretation of the Bible. We had a little blow up on t- Telegram earlier in the week, but here's the truth, and I want you to think about this. I don't care how good, well you know the Bible. At the end of the day, Father is not going to judge you on how well you know the Bible. What he's going to judge you on is he's going to look at you and say, come here, my son. I want to see your heart. And I want us to see the reflection of my son in the way that you lived. That's going to be the hard truth. And that's where the rubber really hits the road. In time of Jesus, there wasn't a Bible. In the Old Testament, there was no Bible. And yet people found a dedication to walk with God through salvation, which was through him and then later through Jesus. So I'm really curious as we we look at churches and we look at people's preponderance to cling on to churches, but the bigger question is, do you have a personal and living relationship with Christ? Are you walking and learning how to walk with Christ? And that's a very important piece because it's not about doing it and getting it and just doing it. It's about learning how in a constant process. Because when we start to get into that place, the world changes all around us. And this trip that I've been on is a testimony, my personal testimony, to trusting in God and walking with Jesus. When I started out this journey, six weeks coming up, coming up on six weeks, in fact, and I'll close, out this, I'll close out this trip on Sunday, and I'll start heading home on Monday. And I will be home hopefully by Wednesday. That's the target. But tomorrow is a really interesting meeting, and it's probably one of the pinnacles of this entire trip because of how it all came together. So I want, I want to kind of walk through this trip a little bit with you. And it all relates back to where I started. Like, why are we so more dedicated to taxes than we are trusting in God? Because those are the things we really worry about a lot. People grind and wring their hands about April 15th and all this other stuff. Everybody, by the way, gets an automatic extension. That's given. Everyone gets a second extension too. That should have been being done every single year just to cause irritation and cash flow. But I digress. So I started out this trip with 12 Bibles plus one and in the process of this, I knew that my first destination was Springfield, Missouri. And I've told some of these stories, so I'm just going to kind of bring them together tonight in kind of this amazing journey. And that week that I was going to leave, I was supposed to leave on a Monday and it didn't happen. And actually I would tried to prepare all weekend and just everything I touched blew apart. It became a bigger project, a deeper project, something else. And so by Tuesday night, My organized downstairs looked like somebody had thrown a grenade in there. And I woke up on Wednesday morning and I just said, Father, I need help or I'm not getting out of here. And things came together and I got through that day and at 8 o'clock on Thursday morning I was rolling out of the driveway. And more obstacles, more blockades. When I get to Eastern Oregon, the entire trip slows down miserably like two hours. And so it's throwing me off and those slow type of stop and goes can wear you out when you're driving. So I get to Utah and I'm tired and I start looking for motels and I was fasting and I've told you this story, but it's important to grasp all this as we put it together because I literally, I I think when I say these things, I don't know that people realize I'm just going to say it like this. When I say I'm talking to Jesus, I'm talking to Jesus you take that for what it's worth but that's my testimony and that's living and walking and breathing with Christ because that's the relationship that we should all need to be striving for and learning how to have and it takes a deep release and from what we are accustomed to you know in a certain way everybody should be thrown in jail for 20 days without charge because let me tell you you want to find out what your faith is about That'll wake you up, especially when you get you hear that door shut behind you and you know there's no way out. And the only way out is through, but there's always choices in the path we take. And that's where we really learn the most powerful piece of how well we are able to listen. So when I got to Utah, And I was tired, and I realized that I was not going to be able to get a motel and still make it through the night. That's when I turned to Christ, and I was like, you know, what am I going to do? And Jesus, he said it clearly, you're going to fast, you're going to drive. I said, I want to drive. He said, then eat something. And I, I really mean this. It was one bite of jerky, and it was like everything was revitalized, and I drove all through the night, and I drove into the next day, and I made it in on time to the event. had time enough to get a little bit of sleep, which was great. And we had an amazing event. And the first four Bibles presented themselves. And I just listened to Father. I knew that there was some target. One of the Bibles was going to Mike Lindell. One of the Bibles was going to Laura Logan, apparently. But Laura Logan didn't show up, and I never got a chance to interview Mike. But all of it came together. The first Bible that was handed off was unexpected, but God made it very clear that it was exactly where it intended to go, and that was to Dr. Eric Naputi. And it was, as I reflected back, the perfection of that was, he was my first interview, and the perfection of that gift was beyond anything I never could have imagined. Because it was Dr. Eric Naputi and I who worked to bring Bards Fest to St. Louis exactly a year earlier. And as I found out, Dr. Eric Naputi had given away his Founder's Bible, and now this was a re-gifting, but this wasn't from me. This was from Father. And each of these steps, there's a perfection that only God can make. But we have to listen. So the second one was to Mike Lindell, and that happened that night, Saturday night, in fact. I went and found him behind stage, and it was an odd meeting, but once he understood, because I interrupted, he was with some other guys, and I kind of interrupted his meeting to deliver the Bible, but I figured I didn't have much time to find him. The more interesting thing to that was, I wasn't even sure if Mike was going to remember it, but when I spoke to Mike three weeks later or two weeks later in an interview afterwards, he's like, oh, yes, I had it. Because Mike had told me, because I've got a lot of Bibles, of these founder Bibles. When he told me again, when I asked him later, he said, no, I didn't have those. I'm so happy I have this. Thank you. Again, Father knows what we need, and he doesn't miss a trick. The third Bible went to Matt Thayer instead of Laura Logan, and that was an interesting one because my target was Laura Logan, and and so I'm like, okay, Laura Logan, what's going on? And she doesn't show up. That's her decision. She's got a lot of things she's dealing with. She's trying to find her way to Jesus, and she needs a lot of prayers, and she's had a lot of trauma in her life, especially with what happened to her in Arab Spring. So I do have a deep feeling, I mean, deep compassion for where she's at, but she didn't show up to the event and she'd withdrawn from the film. And it wasn't until the next day that that became clear when Matt and Joy came up and it was clear that Matt needed that Bible and God made that very clear. And that was transformational for Matt. He's been reading it every day and we've talked about it. It's, It's motivated him to connect with Brad Cummings, there's all sorts of new things and ideas and, and projects that are coming out of that meeting. Again, when father brings things together, it's just, it's just magic. It lights things off. And the fourth Bible at that event was to Dr. Frank, who has been a quiet warrior, a scientist warrior who has been helping and training people. And the interesting thing is that was one of those that was kind of like a delayed reaction. I mean, Dr. Frank got it and no few people know how deeply spiritual Dr. Frank is. When I say spiritual, how deeply in love with Jesus Dr. Frank is. And I didn't really know at the time either. That's what was most profound is I knew Dr. Frank was had you know prayed and so forth, but I didn't realize how much in love he was with Jesus until later that night when Mike Lindell's girlfriend and Dr. Frank and I and the resistance chicks all sat and prayed and I watched that man cry in prayer in the most beautiful way. And that Bible is now with him. God knows. And so I went on. I was heading to Amarillo then to go on to Circle Rock to then go on to Arizona and then loop back to Fredericksburg, a really long leg. And what I discovered on Monday is I just had no energy. And I prayed. I was like, Father, what do you want me to do? What do you what do you want me to do here? Because I, I this trip was laid out. And it was just the first thing was rest. I'm like, okay. So I did. And so I headed out towards Amarillo. And that's when I reached out to a couple of our B dads. And they were so excited and I had this amazing experience of talking to the cattlemen and we talked faith and went over to their house for dinner in Amarillo. I've never been to Amarillo. And from Am- Amarillo, it turned out to be just a great meeting. It was, just, it was just an amazing connection all tied to Jesus. I headed south to Dallas. And by this time it' become clear is that I was heading towards my intent was to head down towards this reckoning fest which is where I was going to once again link up with Laura Logan and that was my idea but everything that was promised about that fell apart right before me as I'm driving first they didn't have a place for me in the main speaker then they were going to put me on the speaking panel which would have which immediately I was like well that's amazing because if I'm on the speaking panel then I'm working directly with Laura Logan and I'm thinking that's the target. And pretty soon everything falls apart in that event. And I'm like, "Father, what's going on here?" I'm coming down here to do this event. What am I doing? And I'm he says, "It's about who comes to the events. It's it's who's not just who stands, but who comes." That's what this is about. I'm like, "Okay." That makes sense. So that whole collapse leads to the most amazing part of this next leg, which is the leg of moving, of going to the Ted Nugent concert. But before I get there, Shemaine asks if I want to fly with him to Fredericksburg on Saturday instead of going to the event, which I can't even do now. And so I fly with the Nugents to to Fredericksburg. Then Shemaine and Duncan and I spend five hours on Sunday following just talking about Jesus and a bunch of other things to get to know each other better. And Sunday, Shemaine invites me over to their house for dinner where I have an opportunity to present the Bible to Ted one-to-one at his dinner table. And it was powerful. It was a man that as he just got through finishing, he says, I don't read books. And he turns and he picks the book up and he says, I will read this book. Thank you. But the other part that was cool is that it became, Father has pointed out the other one. There was Remember, there was 12 plus one Bibles. And that one wasn't part of the main body, 12, but it was important. And that's where it showed up. Because that was Rocco. And when I i heard Rocco talk. I'd heard Rocco kind of going down a little different path, and I really wanted to have a conversation with Rocco, and I still will be having more about Jesus. And so I gave him a, that 13th, that 12 plus one, and it was like watching a young man get hold of his first tools to light a fire. He opened that book up so fast, and he began reading he was so exhilarated and so exciting, and I had just learned that he was going to L.A., which is where he is right now. I couldn't have timed that better. And That's exactly what he needed. So as the trip moves on, I go to Arkansas, and I go to Florence, and each of those are cool engagements. And I arrive to Thomaston, where I have a chance now to talk to Valley Grove. Now, Valley Grove is personally important to me because that's the two years I spent from 2017 to 2019 working with Travis Graham to really get my legs under me in doing what I do today. And so I was going to, a church that took me in as a stranger, I now had a chance to speak to them about what they had given me. And it was profound because this is a small country church and the biggest thing about this small country church is they have one of the most true relationships in the church with Jesus I think I've ever encountered because it's they meet you where you are, and they accept everybody. There's no judgment. There's no—all churches have their dynamics, but this church is different. You know, it's funny because we all talk about the different types of churches like the Pentecostals and the Catholics and— the, There's a little bit of all of that in Thomaston's church. Matter of fact, the woman who used to teach Bible study is now a Southern Baptist, but used to be a Pentecostal. I love her to death. But what was so amazing is now I had a chance to share back to them what gift they had given to me. And in the process, deliver a Bible, which was for the church to remind them of how important they are in this fight, of what they were actually raising. I don't often say it, but there's two times now. It's actually three. When I left Thomaston and I left Valley Grove to go back to Oregon, and I had already started the podcast, Travis said to me, he says, you are now going to walk the path of a pastor. And it was very difficult for me to take that. Last summer, a year ago, when I met Brad Cummings, he gave me the same title. You're a pastor. And so when I stepped up into Thomaston to have Travis, and that's his congregation, introduce me. He says, I don't know if he'll accept the title, but this is a man who's now a pastor. It's a very humbling place. And it's the way God works. And he works in powerful ways of bringing us up and and using us and placing us in the roles that he needs us the only certificate we ever need is the endorsement of Father. So as we move on, the talk I had at Thomaston was personal. It was part of that, the five points that I'll talk about at the end tonight, that, I, that key message. And I watched a congregation shed tears, tears of joy, And now, three weeks on, I had a call with Travis Graham the other day and Mark, my close friend, both saying the same thing. You've made so much impact here. And that's not me. That's God working. That's Jesus being there. But it's just such a great thing because a church like that gets very isolated and they forget, and like we all do, how much impact we each make if we're staying true to the walk with Christ. So the trip moves on and I head up to South Carolina where I meet a Lieutenant Colonel who is also one of our B-dads. S is a real warrior. I met him at a barbecue place, Joint Base Charleston, just off post. And his uniform looked good. He was literally dress right dress. Army fatigues solid and he's single-handedly fighting against the military for this to keep himself unvaccinated and his family taken care of he's he's literally David versus Goliath and his faith is amazingly strong and so that was Bible number seven each one is signed with the name and each one is signed from Father. And each one has the scripture within it of Jeremiah 6.16. So from there, I traveled up to North Carolina, another great meeting. Because in that meeting, it was, unex- I did not announce myself coming in. And that's with the lieutenant governor of North Carolina, Mark Robinson. And I just, I father put on my heart to write a note that morning, so I did. And a hotel I was at just happened to have stationery, so I wrote a note. And in that note, I, I just articulated exactly what this mission was about, that these these were Bibles of twelve. They were being delivered to people that Father wanted to have these Bibles as they nobly fought their fight in his name. And so I pulled up in front of the Lieutenant Governor's house. It's a it's a private it's a residence that's actually an office building now. And there was nobody parked in front. This is a this is downtown Charleston on a midday. Nobody parked up front. No traffic around. I walked right up rang the, buzz the door. That's where Mary, the assistant, came up to the door. And I was handing her the Bible because I figured she didn't want me in And She says, no, no, you need to come in. Have you been in here before? I said, no. And so we went into, she said, well, let me show you the governor's, the attendant governor's office. She said, place the Bible anywhere you want in the office. And I did with the note right on top, in the center of his desk, and right next to his cherished Bible. Each one of these gifts to each person has with it just small events that can only happen if God's hands are in it. I was welcomed as a stranger in as if I was well-known. And in a sense, I was because that's what happens when we walk with Christ. And so from there onwards up to a stayover in West Virginia, to get rested and then into Plymouth because I wasn't going to drive through New York. So I bypassed New York. And on the way to Plymouth, I, I had was talking to Jesus and I said, listen, our trip is coming close. It's starting to come near the latter part of the end and we still don't have any contacts for the Navajo. So I'm not concerned, but I'm just reminding that we need to get some contacts with the Navajo. So when I get to Plymouth and I gave my talk, and then arriving like right on time, by the way, after 12 hours of long driving, no traffic on the entire turnpike, which is unheard of. It was the next day that I meet a man by the name of Jimmy Muskrat. and Jimmy Muskrat is a Native American who has been saved and has been bringing Jesus to some of the most difficult reservations out there, the ones that have resisted Christ the most. And he's targeting youth and he's targeting the alcoholism and he's trying to save these tribes through Christ and literally save them on two ways. And he's winning. And so we went through that day and then on Sunday we had the final event, which was over at at the monument. And we went through the process of discussing the covenant and it became very clear at that point that Father wanted Jimmy to have a Bible. So I pulled him aside and we had a long talk. And just to watch the endearing and the touching and the, 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 the appreciation for that was humbling. But even more powerful was the fact that at this point now, three people had approached me saying, I can introduce you to somebody in the Navajo Reservation. And one of, and it was not related to Jimmy Muskrat. So I left there and did my crazy drive of 25 straight hours into Nebraska where we had another small rally which is really enjoyable, about a hundred people. And left that rally and then moved on and went over and stayed with Dr. Lee Merritt and her husband that night. And she was Bible number ten. And again, another great moment of you know reminding that. She needed a Bible to read, and this was exactly what she had wanted. Every single person had been wanting these Bibles, the Founders Bibles, when I encountered them in one way or another. And then I went down to Springfield where I spent a few days, and gladly because I was feeling horrible, so I spent about five days in Springfield just recovering. But while in Springfield, I made a connection I found somebody had emailed me from Plymouth and I called them and they returned my call quickly. And within 24 hours, I was connected to the vice president of the Navajo reservation. And he and I had a chat day before yesterday. And so I'm here now in Gallup, New Mexico, and I'll be meeting him tomorrow at his church at Window Rock to bring him the Bible for himself and for the Navajo Nation. Now, what's really in- amazing about this is when we talk about the perfection of who you're going to meet, because you don't know who you're going to meet. And I had nobody, I had no connections to Navajo. Of the p- one, of the person, of all the people I get connected to, I get connected to the vice president who he and his wife have a church and are bringing Jesus to the reservation. See, that's that's God working again. In fact, he said to me on the phone, he goes, Navajo, are you sure that I'm just one? Are you sure that I'm the one? And I said, oh yeah, you're the one. You're exactly who Father wanted me to meet. So I'm looking forward to that tomorrow. And then, there'll be the final meet, which will be at John Benzinger's church and that will close out the mission. All of this, I've traveled and everything has been provided. Father's provided everything I've needed financially, everything I've needed spiritually, every connection that I've needed has opened and every door I've needed has opened. I haven't been calling on the phone trying to, network and trying to get things open. I've just simply trusted in him. And all things happened. And when you look back on the way that your trip was originally supposed to go, which I was supposed to be going to Window Rock four weeks ago, it would have failed. And had I forced it, it would have failed. But again, just listening to him and letting things go. All of this to say that in the way that we live and we walk, We cling on to a lot of the things in our life that have nothing to do with him. We worry and consternate a great deal about taxes, about bills, about many of the things. And we're always trying to balance this. Well, I trust in Father, but at the same time, I have to get this done. We can't serve two masters. We have to make a decision of where our true faith and loyalty is. And we have to follow that as he opens. And many times we're going to be led places that we have no idea why. I had no idea what he had in store for me when I was going to Amarillo, which was not on my original list, instead of Window Rock, and then where that led me. But those doors opened wide. And each of those meetings, every encounter has been profound and there's many been many things that have been revealed along the way that only could have happened had i followed his lead and his trust some of those things are deep within me some of those things were encounters on the time of just truths that were revealed that i needed to understand some of the things were directly related to the to the bibles i was delivering but all in all it's only solidified as well the message that he had me bring. The five things. And that first. Is learning to walk with Jesus. We have to truly learn to walk with Jesus. Trusting. Talking. It's it's kind of interesting that we give so much faith. To God. And we don't talk to him much. We ask of him. We beg forgiveness of him, but we don't talk to him. And I'm not really sure why. I don't know if we're afraid, if we're embarrassed, if we don't know what if what we're doing. But we're not going to build that relationship unless we take the risk to start having the communications. And as we do and as we talk and as we build that relationship, we start to learn a deeper type of living. We separate ourselves from just thinking about everything and we start trusting our heart more. And that's where the truth lies. Our mind will always overthink us. Our mind will always talk us out of things, but our heart will always lead us true. And so in this process, we need to be constantly working as a discipline to learn how to build that living relationship with Jesus and through Christ to the Father. So that's number one. Number two, which has revealed itself to be more important now than I could have possibly imagined at the beginning of the trip, was pray for President Trump to be a repenting president. If you're listening to some of the interviews he's doing right now, he's pretty much fed up, and I understand why. I'm not faulting him. I'm not even judging that. I'm saying that I understand why the FBI is going after him. The deep state's going after him in every possible way. But there is a concern that I think is becoming very viable and very real as we watch this because there is a setup occurring that will allow President Trump to rise back to power and to literally, at the brink, save the world. That's not an imaginary thing. The setup is happening. But here's the problem. This is a man that's very pissed off with the deep state. And he's a man that openly believes in vengeance. And this is a man that could be thrust into the position of being the most influential voice, more than he's ever been before, in the world. Because he quite quite literally is coming up to a position where he could stop all of this nonsense and bring the world back from a brink. That's beyond what most people can handle. And if we are not praying for President Trump to be a repenting president and in love with Christ, number one, we're failing in our mission because we need to be praying for our leaders as nations shall be judged. But number two, we're walking ourselves into a potential trap of somebody that could become a great president for three years and we may end up with a tyrant that we've never imagined as he goes on a vengeful wrath. It's not out of question. We need to pray for President Trump to be a repenting president. Healing First Nations and Last Nations. Probably one of the most important part about this whole journey has been discovering how much Jesus is being brought to the reservations and how much desire in those that are bringing Jesus To sit down and literally mend fences, bury the blood rifts, and get us back together as one nation under God. God gave me that as a message before I left. I discovered that that message is already being carried in the hearts of many of the people that I've met that are working with the native tribes. Again, confirmation. But it's something that we all need to be thinking about. And that's going to challenge us. Because there's a lot of bias. But God does not want a white Christian church. He doesn't want a black Christian church. He doesn't want a Hispanic Christian church. God wants one people in the body of Christ united in the love of Jesus. And fundamentally, if you think about everything we're talking about, it's not that difficult. There's always debates about, scripture and who knows what better. And and you can cast all that aside for a second because what we're really talking about here is love through the body of Christ, the unity in the love in Christ, living through the word. And if that is truly where your eyes are and your heart is, I will tell you, there are, and I've had so many testimonies shared with me in the last few weeks of this exact thing. People are discovering how much they have in common. When they simply talk about the love in Jesus. That's what we're asked to seek. We're not asked to build differences and dig trenches between churches and hatred and all this other garbage. We are to unite through the body of Christ. The fourth point is sowing seeds. And so many are doing this and that's the other thing I discovered is how many people wonderfully are growing gardens and how important that is for now and the future. Because it growing gardens is giving us back that control over the, one of the most essentials in life, which is our food, separating us from that corporate yoke. And it's sowing seeds in a number of ways. We're learning the concept of God's wealth when we grow a garden. We're learning the idea of unlimited bounty we're learning and reminding ourselves of the importance of sharing part of our shares with others and sitting down and breaking bread. And that's where we start to build the bridges, the spiritual bridges with face-to-face contact. And the final one is the home run as far as the core of what changes this country, which is protecting and nurturing our children and our parents. I've seen a lot of loneliness in this trip. I've seen a lot of fear for losing loved ones in this trip. And both of those are important emotions in this discussion. We are nurtured as children by our parents, at least I hope you are. And When we get older, that cycle of life has to come back to us. We have to return that to nurture them until they pass. We've become a castaway society. We cast our children out to public schools. We've cast our children out to high schools and then to college. And then when we get older and our parents get older, we cast our parents out the retirement homes, and care clinics. What exactly are we doing here? Is that all life is, is for us to live for ourselves? And sadly, that's a lot of what's happened across this nation because as much as I see greatness in this nation, I see a lot of selfishness in this nation. I see a lot of prayer for me of what I need. I see a lot of prayer for for the th- things and the problems that we have. But we don't hear a lot of discussion about nurturing. We don't hear a lot of discussion about personal accountability either. So we've got to get back to the principle basics. Our children are given to us to nurture, protect, and raise. And that's important that we grasp that again. It's not a choice of outsourcing because... Maybe it's because you have two jobs or another job, or maybe it's because you just want time on your hands. That's not the deal. We've got to find a way through this. And that means if if it's a single parent, it means we communities have to come together. If it's a dual income family, something has to shift because children need to be the priority when they're being raised. And when we get older, Whether we like it or not, we have the responsibility to close the loop in the cycle of life with our parents to ensure that they're well taken care of until the end. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. A pretty amazing trip with a lot of insight and opening. The Father has led in so many different ways. And the reminder of the one scripture that I read constantly throughout this trip, because it is one that speaks so much to where we are as a nation and the challenges that we currently face, we are living in a very difficult time right now, and it's a time where we're going to have to start really making some hard decisions. And that's Jeremiah 6.16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient path. Where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. That's the decision point. And that's where now, as we come together, as we walk, as we unite to the body of Christ, it is a simple focus of eyes on Christ and unity, or you don't walk in it. God wants his churches mended and healed and united. God wants eyes on his son, Jesus. And I will tell you that there's probably little patience in heaven right now for legalist and debates over the specifics of scripture because whether or not you're right or wrong, it's not going to make a difference when you stand before God. Because what will make a difference is how he sees the face of his son in your heart. And that's what we should all be seeking. And that's our biggest challenge as a people. Because we tend to overcomplicate things. And I will tell you, I've met enough people that pride themselves on all the details of Scripture. And there's people that know the Scripture far better than me. But I'll say this. I don't take second to anybody in the intimate and loving relationship that I have with Christ. Because that wisdom comes and is given all the time. And I'm blessed to walk that way. I cherish it every moment. And it's transformational. And it makes you want to seek him even more. That pursuit is a pursuit that only becomes more intense, more relentless over your life, not less. So seek Jesus. Let's pray. Father. You've blessed me in this process with an amazing journey and with that wisdom that hopefully as I've prayed before the show, we're able to press on to others to hear. I'm, I'm going to put this prayer out for anybody that wants to join tonight, which is simply to simplify this whole walk, to put eyes on Christ and to seek that living, loving relationship. And so, Father, I want to put a prayer out tonight with this that people just need to pray to ask you for trust. We talk of trust, we say trust. But those are easy words, and we too often forget that if somebody was to walk up to me or anybody else and say, trust me, we'd probably say, no way. So rather than just assuming trust, let us pray, each one of us personally, to you, Father, to extend the hand of trust and allow us to walk in that trust with you in an intimate and loving way. And to walk that way with Jesus each and every breath. Thank you, Father, for all you have brought and continue to bring. Thank you for this amazing group of people in fellowship that continues to come and assemble and share and love. Thank you for a nation that's beginning to wake up. And I pray, as others I hope will join in this prayer, for the churches to put aside their petty differences and start to find the commonality to talk to one another to not assault each other through backstabbing criticisms but to sit down and break bread and talk to one another about their differences as we are instructed in scripture to do and to find the common ground which we should all share which is our love and passion in Jesus. We pray for the the continuing unifying of the churches to quit for this trench fighting and quit for this finger pointing and to grow the hell up and start acting like representatives of the kingdom where Jesus reigns. I say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm going to close with this tonight. I really, the one thing that I was very good at in Afghanistan, thats one of God's talents to me, And it's one thing that I feel very strongly about is one word that we don't appreciate enough and it's called engagement. And engagement is when you sit down with somebody and you break bread and you talk and you find out things about each other. And you explore the differences and the commonalities. See, I was that guy when someone would say, there's a bad guy, we need to get rid of him. And I'd say, not so fast. And they'd say, what are you going to do, meet with him? And I'd say, yep, I'll go meet with him. And that's exactly what I would do. So I'm leaving a challenge for everybody to think about. Because in the world of social media and in the world of quick publishing and digital publishing and so forth, it's pretty easy to point the fingers. But it's a lot harder to sit down face to face and break the bread. And yet that's where the magic happens. I've told the story in brief before. I'll just touch on it again tonight. The place was called Maywand, southern Afghanistan, one of the most violent parts of Helmand province project started with a phone call from a Special Forces colonel that asked me if I had anybody that could help influence and settle the region down because they were having an abort order given to them in Special Forces team, and they had never in their history been given an abort order. That process took over a year. Lots of goat and rice, lots of bread, lots of visits, lots of sitting to endless talks, But one year later, a peace treaty was signed and was implemented. And for the first time in more years than years counted, peace was brought to that region for well over a year. No, it didn't last because I wasn't there to continue it and there was a mass assassination that killed off five of the key players and that was done by CIA and ISI. Nonetheless, peace did reign for a year. The Pilgrims signed a compact with the Native Americans, a peace that lasted 50 years. My point is, all of these things were accomplished by sitting down face to face. They weren't accomplished by digital exchange. So take the time. If you have a difference with your church, speak the truth to power face to face. If you're going to confront somebody in your sh- like your sheriff or your, or your county commissioner, speak to them face to face. Let them know where you are and where your heart is and hear their heart as well. The most important thing about engagement is listening. Not dominating. You're not trying to prove anything. We tend to talk way too much. Sometimes it's just best to listen. Because people like to tell their stories. And as they do, we learn a great deal about who they are. So lead with engagement. And as you do each engagement, ask Jesus to join you. And pray on it. And have that conversation with Jesus. Hear what he has to tell you and lead you with. And watch how amazing those events will become. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He will never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But he has us here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with your best friend in the entire world Jesus occupy the land expand the kingdom mission forward patriots i'll see you tomorrow no bended knee this week i'll see you tomorrow evening for for uh, bards fm and until then or until the next time god bless good night thank you and out for now <sighs> Oh,
1: I wanna feel